Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the How To Academy podcast, the show for and about people who think big. I'm Vas Christodoulou. This week's show is something a little different, a conversation between not one, but two of the world's leading polar explorers. Ben Saunders has covered more than 7,000 kilometres on foot in the polar region since 2001 and was the leader of the Scott Expedition the longest human-powered polar journey in history. Erling Karger is a Norwegian explorer who was the first to reach the so-called Three Poles. That's north, south and the summit of Everest. Besides being one of the world's leading explorers, Erling also runs a publishing house and is the author of multiple books, including Silence in an Age of Noise and Walking One Step at a Time. They caught up last year with How To Academy's own adventurer in residence, Hannah McInnes. Thank you both very much for being here. Um, we've described you both this evening as explorers, but are you explorers or are you adventurers? And what's the difference? Um, You know, I I really don't know. I think um, I understand that in English you have this discussion. Uh, In Norway, we really don't care about the difference. The thing is, you know, to go out and try to find out what's hidden behind the horizon. And um, it's about curiosity. Uh, And I think, you know, somehow we're all born explorers. So it's not a unique thing. And after all, most of the classical explorers, what they actually did was to do rediscoveries. So if you look, you know, if you read about uh, Magellan and Cook and Ericsson, someone was standing on the beach when they were discovering new territories. So, you know, I think in a classical sense, exploration is quite often about rediscoveries. Yeah, I mean, so it's not about in the old fashioned sense, it used to be sort of sticking in a flag in a Place yeah, I mean, I, I've I've never I've never put explorer on on a, on a business card, and and I've always felt it sounds a bit grand, you know, to to, to introduce myself as an explorer. It's, I always think it's a bit like uh, be, being in the army and calling yourself a warrior, you know. Just it's it's, um, and of course in the UK we have all, all this all these um, Edwardian sort of connotations, and I, I clearly. I, I haven't explored in the way that they... I, I've never drawn a map or named a mountain range or, or a glacier. Um, but um, but I, I think, um, as, as Erling said, I think deep down our motivations probably weren't dissimilar um, and the enjoyment we've, we've derived from these places and these experiences. Do you think you're trying to prove something? 
Absolutely. Uh, in a competitive sense? Also in a competitive sense, not uh, not on all expeditions. Um, I think, you know, it's uh, quite often about other things than, you know, a competitive thing. Uh, but when you climb Everest, for instance, it's definitely about, you know, a, a competitive thing. And if you only climb Everest because of the view, you rather climb the, you know, the mountains, mountain next to Everest. So you had even more beautiful view. So, um, and, you know, people say they go on expeditions for peace, environmental issues, charity, climate. Uh, and of course, that's, you know, could be one or more of the reasons, but uh, I think it's also always some, you know, egocentric reasons that we're not so good at talking about. And, you know, it's about being egocentric. Uh, it's quite often about being competitive. Yes. Ben, what about, I mean, how much ego is there in there for you? <laughs> I, th- I think, I think in the, in, in the, in my sort of early years, my first few expeditions, there was, there was a lot of ego. There was a, a chip on my shoulder and something to prove and, um, and, uh, you know, an, an extraordinary, array of heroes and role models to, to sort of aspire to, you know, some very big boots to, to fill. So I think, I think early on, um, a lot of it was about sort of personal achievement and challenge and, 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 and testing myself, trying to, trying to find out what I was genuinely capable of in the, in these very tough, challenging environments. And, and I'd be lying if I, if I said that I wasn't still, yeah, some part of me wasn't still competitive. And, but for me, one of the biggest challenges over the years, I think these, often these enormous goals, and particularly the sort of expeditions we've done, can be enormous anti-climaxes. And, and I talk about getting back to Ross Island in Antarctica in 2014 and sort of stepping across this finish line, you know, stepping off the ice onto the shore of, of Ross Island and, and, and nothing happened. You know, I was sort of, I don't know what I was expecting, you know, fireworks and, and something, some lightning bolt out of the cloud, you know, the, the biggest goal I'd ever aspired to. So it's one of the biggest cliches going that the, the journey is the important part, not the destination. But it, it's taken me a, a lot of long walks to, to sort of figure that out for myself, really. So, so I think I'm slowly trying to transcend that, that, that ego, but it's still there. I'm still human. <laughs> and you talk about that um, in your recent book about walking, that it, the journey is the all important thing. And once you start thinking of the goal, it ruins the journey for you. Yeah, at least it reduces it quite a bit, I think, because, you know, it's when you're halfway to the South Pole and then you start to think about how many kilometers and how many days that are left, you know, it turns down to, you know, it boils down to mathematics. And that's not why you're there. So, um, yes, it's very much about being present in the moment and uh, not thinking too much, because when you think it's about the past or the future, it's more about, you know, experiencing there and then. So it is very much about being in the present yeah. and being uh, in that mindset. Does that mean you need to be on your own? No, uh, it doesn't, but uh, it helps. I think, you know, I love walking with other people. And for me, quite often, walking is a social thing. Uh, I hang out with my friends, we're doing a walk, it'll be a business thing, we do a meeting while walking. Because, you know, the walking clears up your mind. Uh, that's why, you know, creative people from Socrates to Steve Jobs kept on walking. Uh, obviously, you will not become a new Steve Jobs because you walk, but you know, it helps. And, uh, but if you walk alone and not being disturbed, uh, you know, it's, it opens up your mind, you know, to a huge extent. And somehow it makes your life much richer. I consider myself to be a social guy, but you know, to be alone for a while, you know, 
I think it's just very healthy. Uh, you know, because, you know, when you, when you broke in New York City, uh, you know, then you feel really lonely. And if you don't know anyone, you know, even more lonely. But often the eyes being, you know, totally by yourself, loneliness is not that big problem. And uh, to have a break from, you know, from your telephone and from other people, does you know does you know is is good for you it's good for your soul it's good for your self image and it's also good for your respect towards other people because you get more curious about other people and also you build respect for the people in the situations they are in so for so i mean to be alone you know it could be for half an hour it could be for 50 days but you know um, we should do it because you know today we live through other people throughout the whole day and Ben, you've undertaken some explorations on your own, some with companions. Do you have a preference for one or the other? Do you find being on your own, the experience is in a way more wholesome? I mean, there are pros and cons to both. And um, I was really looking forward to uh, my last expedition, which was end of 2017, when I, I skied solo to the, to the South Pole. And um, and I was, it had been a really busy, really hectic couple of years, lots of change, lots going on. And I, I was secretly looking forward to, uh, you know, two months, give or take, um, on my own in Antarctica as a bit of a break. You know, of course, we were pitching it as this really big challenge. You know, but secretly, I thought it was it was within my capabilities. We'd, we'd done a much longer walk, you know, a few years before that. So, so I was sort of looking forward to it as this chance to reflect and sort of meditate a bit. And, and actually when you're on your own, you're, you're busy a lot of the time. And I think in hindsight, I probably had more time to think deeply and reflect uh, when there were two of us in Antarctica back in 2013, 24, because we, we were taking it in turns to lead. So half the time you're following someone else, your, your skis are in their tracks. And then you can really switch off and you don't even have to steer because you're just in the, in their ski tracks. And they're, for the next 45 minutes, they're responsible for everything, timekeeping, navigation, everything else, route finding. So then you can really, really sort of think deeply. And, and, and I was quite frustrated in Antarctica when it was two years ago to realise that actually on your own, you're quite busy the whole time. Part of you has to be alert most of the time and looking at a compass bearing and looking at the weather and trying to pick the right route. Um, so there, there are pros and cons. Um, and I was thinking about the question just now. I remember setting my um, email out of office, you know, autoresponder in, in October 2013, before we finally flew down to Antarctica. And basically saying, um, I'm, I'm in Antarctica, I'm, I won't be, you know, we'll have no access to email until February next year. And if you need me, well, tough, like you can't, <laughs> there is no contact. And, and I realise now in hindsight that I, I may never have the chance to do that again. Like that's, that was one of the most decadent things I've ever done to, to switch off my email for four months. Was, was, uh, there was something really special about that. Well, that's another thing, obviously, and you mentioned it too, switching off. But now, if you were going on an expedition, would you switch off? There's this sense now that you would want to chart it on Instagram and Twitter and blog about it. And in the same way as whether you're together with someone or on your own, is the experience lessened by that, by, by living it as you want it to be portrayed rather than living it yourself? Mm, gosh, well, I think Erling and I have, have, have we've, we've both done similar trips in, in, in Antarctica, but in, in some ways with very different technology. Um, you know, Erling, I think you had zero uh, communication with the outside world for, for several weeks. And, 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 you know, we were this trip in 2013, 2014, we were, we were sending back little updates every, every evening. So we were, you know, blogging from this expedition. And 
I, I actually quite enjoyed that. I quite enjoyed the process of being able to sort of share this story. And we, we definitely didn't have um, internet access. We, we weren't surfing the net. I couldn't check my emails or look at my Twitter. We, we, it was a little one-way upload every evening for a few minutes of, of, of essentially my diary entry. So all I was doing was sharing my diary. So we, we, we weren't really connected um, in that sense. There was, there was no real two-way sort of interaction. But the ability to, to sort of you know, tell the story as it unfolded, I, I really enjoyed that. And, and it gave me something to think about each day because especially on the, on the, on the plateau or the Rossi shelf, you have days where it's, especially when the weather's bad, you don't see anything. You know, we'd, we'd finish each day nine hours after we started at somewhere that looked the same as where we'd camped the night before, having, having seen nothing at all that day. So trying to think of what, what, what do I write about this evening? <laughs> so it, it became for me a sort of, it was sharing my diary and often a, a tale of the sort of the, the internal stuff that was going on. And I realised that most people reading this had no experience of Antarctica. And, and if all we told was the sort of technical, you know, latitude and longitude and wind chill, you know, people just would switch off. So I talked about the, the thoughts I was having and the songs that got stuck in my head and the things I was missing and thinking about. So I, I, I enjoyed it, yeah. Um, for me, it was relief, you know, opposite to Ben. For me, it was relief not to be available. Um, and it was in one way a goal in itself to be by myself for the for this uh, around 810, 20, 30 miles, uh, I think it was. And I ended up being, you know, for 50 days and nights without being touched with the outside world. And that was fantastic. And you can say, you know, how would you react to, you know, under the same circumstances? And I think you would do really well. I think most people would appreciate it. The first couple of days, they will be restless and have all this noise in the head because you're thinking and thinking about the past and the future and you're missing your telephone, you're missing, you know, being connected. Uh, but then it's a huge relief. So, and, you know, it's the disadvantage for the having, you know, also being online uh, is, you know, in addition that you're then that much, you know, as much present in the in a situation as you can be, but also, you know, you call your partner, you chat a little bit, and it's nice, you say you love her, she says she loves you, and then eventually says she tells you the washing machine broke down. And, you know, there you go. And, you know, I just want to avoid it. <laughs> okay, so that neatly brings me on to, earlier we talked about ego, and it's, it's a similar thing. She may want to tell you that the washing machine's broken. She may also want to check that you're safe, given that it's a hugely risky endeavour. Is that quite a selfish thing, taking those risks, when you leave your loved ones behind? Yeah, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, I think uh, selfish is, you know, it's too, you know, too, too loaded as a word. I think also in English, I'd, I'd rather say egocentric. And it's certainly egocentric. And, uh, and uh, But there's also many other things. So I think, you know, it's... Uh, and, you know, for your loved ones, for your mother or whoever, you know, they are nervous. And, you know, it's so, you you know, you're making their lives a little bit worse. Um, but, you know, it's worth it, at least for me. <laughs> Maybe not for my mother. <laughs> but she's proud afterwards. And, you know, it's and, 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 and life is brutal. It should be brutal. And I think if you have to choose between, you know, throughout the day we choose between easy options and difficult options. And my experience is 
should almost always choose one of the most difficult options in life. Because when you go for the easiest options in life, you will usually regret it the time to come. So taking the difficult option, as you write in the book, in fact, makes life richer. It definitely does. And if you do all the way around, if you think that you always choose the easiest option, then, you know, your life is predestined. And you're not living a free life because it's, you know, it's given what you're going to choose. And then you're not only living a unfree life, but you're also living a very dull life. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Ben, what about the... We've, you've talked about ego, but for you, about that risk-taking. I mean, you know very well. You obviously had to abandon your trip, was it two years ago? Uh, 20, end of 2017, um, yeah. You know, because of the conditions, and you were trying to succeed where, very, very sadly, Henry Worsley had died, um, I can't remember how long before. How difficult is that to decide at a certain point you can't finish? And were you thinking, this is not about me anymore? I mean, actually, it was a remarkably easy decision. I, th I think I realised um, I didn't have anywhere near as much to prove to, to anyone else or to myself as, as I did when we were down there in, in 2013, 2014, like really pushing as hard as we could. And, and in some ways, I think when there are two of you, um, there's a bit more of a safety margin. You can, you can keep an eye on each other and, and we, and you can encourage each other as well through, through the tough patches. So we, we, we really went for it on that trip. And I think I realized when I went down again in 2017, I, I did just didn't have that sort of burning, kamikaze desire to, to to push it to the to you know to put my foot to the floor and and my energy into the red line the whole time you know my my, my I would say my heart wasn't in it because I still worked really hard I was still down there for, for whatever it was seven weeks or so and it and it's 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 not an easy camping trip um but I think there just there, there weren't enough reasons for me to sort of keep pushing um and and also I think my attitude to risk had probably changed. You know, I was, I was engaged at the time, you know, got married last year and I think I had more, more responsibility at, you know, at home than I'd ever had, had before. So that was part of the equation. Um, but I think ultimately I just didn't have as much to, to prove. There wasn't that sort of, I, I felt I'd got everything I wanted to out of that, that journey. Um, and I think also I was fearing a bit of an anticlimax beyond the, the pole. And of course there's lots of controversy about the two guys that went across recently and, and I'm glad I didn't get embroiled in that. So for me, it was a really, it was a really satisfying expedition. I, and I came home in really good shape, you know, physically and, and, and mentally. So I'm happy with, with that. And also I to add that, you know, it's in one sense, you know, it's more daring to quit an expedition and just go mm. on mm. and risk your own life and maybe also risk lives of others. 
So I think especially when you have responsibilities, which we you know to certain degrees all have. So I think you know also I've just been writing about it in a new book called The Philosophy for Polar Explorers that you know it's the importance of actually quitting, mm-hmm. and you know uh, people say that you know uh, uh, quitting lasts forever or whatever. But, you know, it doesn't. I think, you know, it's just a normal part of being an explorer or being alive or being a human being that, you know, you fail quite often with what you're doing. It's part of life. So it's. Uh, so I think, you know, I just feel sad sometimes when I see people just push on too far, you know, for, you know, no obvious good reasons. You say you have to be able to fail and... I know there's quite a small pool of polar explorers, not that your book won't be bought by by many people, but what are the characteristics that you think you need to be one? Because I've noted that both of you in differing interviews and in, in your book and in interviews you've done, Ben, both of you have talked about how at school you weren't naturally athletic or good at gym. So is it all mental and not physical? Uh, it's certainly, you know, much more important what's going on in your head than, you know, uh, the rest of your body. But you obviously you need to be very fit. But I think, you know, what explorers have in common, I think, you know, first of all, I think we're all born explorers. If you look at kids, they would like to climb before they can walk. And as soon as they can walk, they would like to walk through the exit door and or the flat or the house and explore the world. And they're wondering what's behind the horizon. So this is, you know, something we're born with. So I think, you know, you don't become an explorer, you're born an explorer, but somehow you're quitting when you maybe when you're two years old or five years old or 30 years old. But the spirit of exploration always remains, never goes to zero as long as you are, are alive. And I think for me and probably for Ben and other explorers, um, uh, it's very much about curiosity. It's very much about, you know, to accept that uh, the pain, the cold, the wind is a purpose in itself. It's very much about feeling of nature, being connected to nature. I think one of the reasons so many people today claim they are depressed, sad uh, and lonely is because they're not connected to nature. They're connected to the telephone throughout the whole day. And of course, then eventually you become depressed. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a given. And uh, so this being in touch with nature, I think it's super important. And then, of course, also you have many reasons for what you do. So you could also go on expedition. You know, more reasons could be that you do it for climate cons- cons- uh, conservation, peace, charity, as kind of you know uh, additional reasons. And it's also about getting recognition. And it could be also be a getting revenge for the people who you know bullied you at school. Uh, and it's about could you have a complicated relationship to your father you know all boys have a complicated relationship to their father just as their father had to their father again and the other way around down so it's many reasons that seems like a good place for you to potentially carry that one on uh well i i, I was gonna say stubbornness is probably important um particularly when you're when you're dreaming of you know the first expedition and and uh, in my experience there was no end of people particularly people close to me who who were telling me I was stupid and crazy and particularly when I'd run out of money and and probably ought to have got a proper job somewhere and um I read a, a brilliant book with um, a, a really awful title. It's the sort of book if you read it on the tube you'd have to hide it behind something else and um, it's uh, by a guy 
think he died a few years ago, called Felix Dennis, and he was a publisher. And the book is called How to Get Rich. And it's it's basically his life story, and he became a multi-multi-millionaire. But it, it's almost a sort of cautionary tale, because he sort of ends the book by saying that his his favourite things you know, in his later years in life were planting trees and writing poetry, and you can do those with, with no money at all. Um, and it, But it's a story of how he made his fortune, and he talks about pursuing ambitious goals and being prepared to come up against naysayers and and he said you 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 will have no end of people telling you it's impossible or you're crazy or you're not you're not capable or you're not the right person or you know it's beyond you um and he said um often it'll be the people closest to you your loved ones your family your friends um and he said his theory was that they're saying that of course because they don't want to see you um putting yourself in harm's way he said but i think also that they fear that should you succeed, it will it will expose their own timidity to the light of day. Though his, his words, so mm-hmm. I think there's, there's something in that. That's really <laughs> interesting. It's a competitive spirit that's yeah, making well. people frown upon. But also, mm. society in general. I mean, we like to say brilliant, and we welcome you here this evening, and we talk to explorers, and we invite them on a podcast. But in general, society doesn't seem to welcome that. You said you would never put explorer on your business card, and. We're made to feel, we've been talking about this a bit recently, we're made to feel that we aren't successful, we aren't succeeding at life unless we're working at a desk or working nine to five. Why, when it, it makes so much sense that we need to be outside more, that we need to be exposed to nature, as you say, why do you think that is? Why has society not caught up with that need? Uh, because, you know, it's, I think, it def- you know, we all need to work. Uh, it's important. And I think, you know, it's uh, not only important because you need to feed yourself and maybe some other people, but, you know, it's it's also good for you. I think, you know, it's uh, it's healthy to work and it, you should be feel privileged if you can work uh, because not everybody can. But uh, in addition to that, you should, you know, uh, you should be present in your own life. You should not... Uh, Live your life through other people, live your life through technology and live your life through only man-made environments. So uh, you should, you know, in addition, you should find time to do a walk, uh, you should find time to, uh, you know, experience nature. And you can always say that, you know, I'm too busy, uh, so I don't have time for it. But, you know, it's no reason to believe that in general, because uh, uh, here in England, People, you know, would live for around thirty thousand days, and uh, and they spend at least three hours on average a day on media, on the telephone, and on TV. So that adds up ninety thousand hours. And they say that you can become an expert in any field in ten thousand hours. But let's say not all of those ninety thousand hours are wasted. Let's say twenty, you know, twenty percent, uh, you know, is worthwhile. So then you end up having 72,000 hours of your life, uh, you know, more or less just as a waste. And if you use those, you know, some of those hours on, you know, being in nature, uh, getting to know yourself, be kind to other people, show generosity, uh, your life will be so much richer. So when people say uh, life is short or they say, I listen to people say, I have enough material goods. The only thing I miss in life is time. It's a huge misunderstanding. I mean, Ben, do you think it's frowned upon or do you feel like, have you noticed a change since you started even that people are more receptive to it as a career? 
we're, we're obviously um, sort of outliers in, in some ways. You know, we, we, I'm, I'm certainly, I don't want to speak for, for, for Erling, but um, I'm one of, I would imagine, very few people who, who's ended up doing the thing I dreamt of doing when I was nine or ten years old. That doesn't often happen, I think, in, in, in life. Um, but I also fear that we're, we're kind of guilty of perpetrating the myth that if only you two could ski to a pole or climb a mountain or sail an ocean then then your life will be awesome too you know um it, it, i think it's taken me a long time and we talked about ego early on to to realize that there's there's very little if any correlation between um sort of external validation or praise or you know celebrity and and uh, sort of internal peace or you know, self-worth or contentedness in, in, in a genuine sense so I I, I, I I do fear that that we're sort of painting this misleading picture that that you know your life would be better if you did some enormous challenge too um, the reality is that most people's lives contain um, you know more than their fair share of, of well their fair share of challenge we all have our fair share of challenge and, and, and difficult things to overcome um, so I'm not sure I would ever recommend it as a, as a career. <laughs> you know, I, I often have sort of job envy and, and, and wish I'd you know started a business 20 years ago and actually been able to do these expeditions without having to find sponsorship and, and, and turn them into commercial enterprises. So, um, and I, I yeah, I, I envy Erling's walk to the South Pole on his own with, with, with no communication. I just, that would be a dream, dream trip for me. No commitments to sort of share any content in, in real time. Um, so uh, well, I forgot where I'm going with this tangent, but yeah, I, I, I think um, uh, for me it's been it's been a, it's been a yeah I've got no regrets, um, but I wouldn't recommend it as a as a, you know, as a career path. So the message seems to be that you don't necessarily need a great grand expedition, all the equipment, sponsorship, and a press release. You can really get the same sort of joy and adventure and sense of exploration through various things you can do every day here at home. Yeah, I think that's a very valid point. I think, you know, some of the biggest mysteries will be you, you will find in your own backyard. And for sure, when out to nature, you're reminded about the fact that, you know, most some of the greatest things in life are for free. So I think, you know, it's uh, like Ben and I, we have been very privileged because we have got sponsorship and, you know, able to walk to the South Pole and many other expeditions. But I have to say, I walk almost every day and I think it's absolutely fantastic. So, uh, you know, it's all about finding your own South Pole. I think for me, having read Erling's book, you know, one of its messages is, is, is about the 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 pleasure and the the meaning we can all derive from this this elementary human activity that's that's available to all of us and and yet so few of us do do very much of it that's nowadays. walking which is walking yeah and and we've we've I've just moved after twenty years in London we've just moved out to a little village in in Gloucestershire and one of my favourite things at the moment is is walking my dog in the woods next door to our house in the, in, the, in the mornings and for me you know if, if I stop if I haven't got my phone and my headphones in which I try and try and avoid now but if I just stop you know this was two or three days ago just stop and just listen to the bird song and the you know the sunlight coming through the trees that to me is every bit as 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 rewarding and as magical as standing on the Antarctic plateau you know pulling a sledge All, almost almost <laughs> almost yeah <laughs> <laughs> This week's show starred Ben Saunders and Erling Carger. It was hosted by Hannah McInnes, produced by me, Vas Christodoulou, and edited by John Doughty. 
We'll be catching up with Erling again soon for an in-depth look at his most recent book, Philosophy for Polar Explorers. As ever, you can find more tales of adventure on our website, howtoacademy.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can make the trek to central London, you can meet our guests in live talks almost any night of the week. Thanks for listening.